Good morning, everyone. Okay, I see the on-air sign now. So good to be with all um, four of you here. Uh, it's just kind of been the way it's been over the last three months. Um, I have a major challenge this morning. I have three months' worth of teachings to get caught up on. No, just, just kidding. Need to condense it into one. Um, no, seriously, we are, we are in a unique um, time frame, and we're coming out of it in a lot of ways, but it's still very bizarre. And this morning, I thought I was going to be teaching on, uh, on another topic, but um, uh, the Lord gave a dream. I think it was Friday um, Friday night into Saturday morning, and the only reason I know that's because it, the time that I woke up, went back to sleep. It was after midnight, so um, and it started previously. But at any rate, I thought I was going to be talking about the the strange ways of of Theos this morning, and um, that would be very appropriate, um, considering all that is is going on in our world and. Um, I am no, in no way going to make this a political teaching at all. There are a lot of things that are going on. And I'll be honest with you, um, it's kind of difficult to determine. It's, it's, not, it's not difficult in hearing the voice of the Lord. It's just really difficult trying to cut through all of the other voices and all the other activities that are going on around us uh, here in Dallas. And that that's really happening all over the world, and I do know God's going to use all of this, as I know you do as well, He's going to use all of this for the good. I don't, we don't see the end of how He's bringing it all together and how He's weaving all of these things um, for His good, but uh, we love Him, and He says in His Word that He's working all things out for the good of those that are following His agape and that are pursuing Him. So we have to really trust no matter what we see in the natural because I will say this, there are some disturbing things that are going on all over the world. And I, I say that with all sincerity, not um, thinking of any particular one thing. There's just a lot of different things that are going on. And, and I started, I was thinking about that this morning and, you know, the Lord didn't really, I think the Lord revealed certain things to us about this happening, but we just didn't have a, um, a grid to go, you know what, oh, this is exactly what's going to happen. For example, a lot of violence that's going on all over the country and all over the world there were some teachings and things that were brought forth about violence, right? At that point, it was, it was a certain type of thing that was actually manifesting, and a lot of this stuff that's going on now had not even begun to surface. So I really believe if we go back and we reflect and we really think about it and we meditate, we can see how God's Spirit did give us insight about some things that were to come, even though we didn't really weren't able to put it together, but now we really can. We can see how, you know, the enemy is, he's furious with what's going on. And, and God is not, these things don't disturb him. He's not really caught off guard by it. And it doesn't, he knows everything that's going on. And he knows how. 
to bring about his plan in the midst of chaos. He knows how to bring about his plan in the midst of when kings are doing right in the eyes of the Lord or whether they're doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. He knows how to bring it to pass. So we just have to keep, um, keep focused on the mission and keep praying and interceding and, and partnering with his spirit, and he will do um, all of the rest. So with that being said, I'm briefly going to touch on just a couple of things before we get into the, the teaching. They're related, but I want to encourage all of you to really, in this dream that I had, I'm not going to share all the details. It was, it was detailed, but that's not the, the main point of it. But in this dream, there was a lot of opposition um, to our instruction and our teaching and things that we bring. I mean, it sounds pretty obvious, but I think based off where we are and what's happening around all of us, I hate to even say this, but this is kind of what I felt, what I saw, and this is what happened with the apostles. There will be times where we're going to be before people in different contexts where we're going to have to go, okay, we need to obey God rather than man. And I'm not saying... I'm not saying rebellion against the government. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we know the Lord says we go this way. We don't go to the right, to the left. We stay focused, and we're going to have to stand strong and be very courageous. And be, that, That's difficult to do. That's not something that's an easy task. It, it, it's, it's, <laughs> especially when you've got opposing forces in your face telling you if you continue to go down this pathway, there's going to be a negative consequence. And again, I'm not speaking governmentally. I'm just making, I'm just telling you, the apostles face it, faced it, and so will we as we go forward. And as, as the Lord opens up these doors to continue to go out into the nations, there will be opposing people that are going to confront, directly confront, the message, and they're going to say, you know what, that's, that's not the message of the hour. You know, you've got too many women in ministry, and, uh, you know, they, that should not be. And so we're going to have to stand strong and be very courageous. And courageous, you know, if you study the Scripture in the Old Testament, when God told Joshua, he says, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. you I'm going to make sure that you don't fail. I'm not going to forsake you. So those are... That's the way God thinks towards us. He's not wanting any of us to fail. Failure is not in Him. And we might fail, but it's not anything that's a part of who He is. He doesn't one minute say, oh, Stacy, I'm with you, and then go, oh, you screwed up. I'm, I'm going the other direction. He's just not that way. And we can all be grateful for that. Um, so when he told Joshua, he said, be strong and very courageous. The Hebrew word there, we've all heard this teaching. I remember teaching on this. I know less is taught on it. And, um, but it means to be very, be alert physically, but also to be mentally alert and, and be in, in, encouraged in your thinking. So it's more of an internal uh, uh, mindset that I believe that the Spirit of God can imprint into us in the midst of chaos and in the midst of all of the turmoil that's going on around us to where we say, you know what, yeah, I see all that that's going on, but there is something that God has impressed upon me, and he's, he's making us strong, 
We're being strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And as we go forward, we can face opposition because greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. We can do that in Him. So just keep that in mind. And the second thing that I wanted to say, and that was kind of the dream, was there was opposition to the instruction. It, we, were, um, we were in a, um, uh, an ed educational environment, and it wasn't just the school. It, was, it represented where we go and where we teach. And we're teaching, even though right now, <laughs> that's the beauty of the Internet, and it's the beauty of the online teachings, is people are accessing it 24-7, and it doesn't matter the time zones that they're in. They're accessing teachings, they're accessing music, all kinds of things that, that God's doing in this place. And that's really, really cool. But the other thing is this. I've been doing a lot of studying and felt led to study, and this goes back to teachings that have been done over and over again about the differences in Elijah and Elisha. And I mean, I spent weeks just feeling strongly compelled to look at that. Those two guys were remarkable. Yeah, Elijah made the mistake, but man, how many times have we done that? I mean, it, we God still used him in, in a powerful way, though, is, is the point. But one of the things that really stood out to me was with Elisha. You talk about strange ways being you being through a man of Elohim. Both of them were uniquely used. But one of the things that, that Elisha did makes no sense at all was he had some, some others that were around him, and they were out in, in, in the midst of a, uh, the forest, and they were, they were cutting timber. And one of the axe heads from the axe fell off and went into the river, the nearby water source. <laughs> And he took a piece of the wood and was directed to throw it into the water. And as he did that, you guys know the story. The, the, the scripture says the axe head swam or it rose to the surface, came over to where they could grab it, and they picked it up and began to use it again. That is very strange. There is no way on this planet that an axe head can swim. There's just no way. So as I've, as I've been studying both of these individuals, I believe that there are things that God's going to ask us to do on an individual level as we go forward. Now, we have to make sure that it's the Lord telling us. Number one, that's key. Because if you throw some stick in, in the water and think something's going to float and he didn't tell you to do it, it's not going to happen. But I'm just saying, be, be ready and, and be quick to hear Something very unique, it may be very strange, bizarre, whatever word you want to use to describe it, but then watch the miracles happen in a way that doesn't make sense to the human mind at all. And I'm praying, and I know you are as well, that some of these things that are going on around us, that somehow our, our intercession as we partner with Him are going to bring about some of these strange ways that God's going to really begin to use this for His glory. So, now with that, I know a couple of weeks ago, Pastor taught, it was on Wednesday night, he taught a message on um, waiting. And I remember that night listening to it, and it was great. 
And so a lot of times what I'll do when, I, when I'm not here is I'll, I'll listen to it and I'll go back and I'll read the passages and kind of scan through and study a little bit. So I was doing that the following day, and as I was reading Acts chapter 1, my eyes fell on this phrase, gazing into heaven. I thought, wait a minute, how many times have I read this and I've never really seen this? So this teaching stems out of that that time frame, and I've been looking at it and studying it and looking at different visionary terms in the New Testament. So I want us to look at this concept of, of gazing into heaven. I mean, I, I, just that very term, and it's taken straight out of one of these verses in Acts 1, and the placement of it, I think, is very, very important. And it's the two men that appear to them in, in white apparel, and we, we recognize those as angelic representatives and they're asking the men of Galilee, they even call them that, men of Galilee, they know exactly where they live. And they said, why are you standing here gazing into heaven? And so my eyes, the eyes of my spirit just could not get away from that. And so for about a week now, I've been really meditating on that and going back and studying it. And we all know that God wants us to be living in heaven and functioning at that right hand where he's at, right? We know that. The scripture teaches it pl very plainly. There are some that don't believe that, and that's okay. You know, we, we're beyond, you know, getting really flustered by people that don't believe that because we know what the scripture says. And so what I want to do is we're going to go through here, and you can see the Greek term here that, that's used for that word for gazing. And it's emblepo, and it means to look on something, but not only just to look at it, but to be able to discern it very clearly. And I know that this is an element of what God is developing in all of us, is the ability to look at things that are happening around us, be it the supernatural occurrence here or what's going on around us, and being able to discern exactly, very clearly what's going on and not have any doubt as to what's happening. And that can be applied in a lot of ways right this instance. And we, we need this because, uh, man, turn your television on. You guys have all been doing this. You hear <laughs> numerous voices saying all kinds of things. Some that are good, but there is a lot of evil. That, that's being released and spoken forth across the airwaves. So when we say airwaves, we should immediately know what being, what principality is operative there. The prince of the power of what? The air. And we'll, 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 let's look at this and we'll see a lot of different things. It, Kind of going to go like Pastor did Wednesday night with uh, the Emmaus teaching, where there's just there's things that are going to stand out here that can help us all during this time frame. So Acts one, beginning in verse one, says the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus. Now I had never really looked at Theophilus. Number one, because it looks like a weird name to me, but when you look at it, it really means someone. Luke is writing to someone that is a friend of Theos. Interesting. So I thought, wait a minute here. 
Right? So it just it had me thinking about friend of the bridegroom, John the Baptist type people, and he's addressing people that should be friends of Theos. And he says, of all that Jesus began to do, and then he began to step in teaching it, until the day in which he was taken up, after that through the holy or saintly wind, he had given commandments unto his apostles, which he had chosen. So he talks about, I think this is very fascinating. I think he's not just addressing it. He didn't say the former treatise I've made with you, oh, um, the general church or anything of that sort. He, he's specifically saying when he starts the acts of the apostolic ministry, he's saying you should be someone that is functioning as a friend of God like Abraham or like John the Baptist. I think that's incredible. And he's speaking to us most of the time, well, I just think it's fascinating to see that there. Now, it's interesting that the, the, the time frame, and I'm kind of going back and forth because this is the time frame within where he was, he was raised from the dead, but he has not yet ascended. Okay, so you've got that time period, and during that time period, he's not, he's not in heaven yet. Jesus is actively still doing things in ministry. And it says here that through the saintly wind, he's giving out <coughs> commandments to those that are functioning apostolically. I think that's incredible. I mean, he, there's that intermediate area where he's just, he's just not in heaven now. For, I guess a lot of people don't even really see that in this context. And he's actively engaged in doing things that are very important. But it's with people that he has chosen, that he's made. And the word chosen there, you guys all know it comes from eklegomai. And it means, when you break it down, those that he's made a systematic selection to show these commandments and reveal these things to. And recently, I'm going to insert this. Recently, I, in a Facebook group, there was a question, and this, this Facebook group is called Seers, What Do You See? That's the name of the group. There's a bunch of craziness that goes on in it, too. But one of the questions was, there was a person that says, I want to be a seer. What do I need to do to become a seer? And I'm thinking, first of all, you can't make yourself do anything to be a seer. Number one, God has to choose you to be operating in that manner. And it's not to say that God doesn't want us to be, you know, visionaries. I'm not saying that. But if he hasn't chosen you, he, he might have chosen you to be the feet or to be some other part within the body. And here you are seeking after, I want to be a seer, you know. So he, he's chosen us to do specific things. And it's very, he's very systematic with it is the point here that I'm trying to make. And then in verse 3 it says, to whom also... He showed himself alive. And, and so this is another word that began to, to leap off the page here. At this time frame, he's very much alive. And it says it's, he's alive after his passion. After he's already gone to the cross and, went, and he's been raised from the dead, he's actively moving. He's selecting specific ones to get commandments in an apostolic fashion while he's still moving in the earth. And then it says... He's showing himself alive. How is he doing that? It says, this is kind of um, legal terminology, by infallible proofs. 
So the infallible proofs really leaped off the page. And I'm thinking, Lord, I've read this so many times, and I haven't really looked at all these words here. <laughs> Being seen of them, and here there's a different term for seeing, optanomai. Being seen of them 40 days. So they're having some of these incredible encounters where he is, where he is revealing himself in an open visionary way to those that he's chosen. Systematically, he's going to certain ones and saying, hey, I'm alive. Here's proof that I'm alive. We all know he's still doing this same thing today where he is revealing himself to people that are his friends that are really pursuing him. I mean, really going after him. Not just wanting, you know, hey, God, I need $1,000 to pay my mortgage. Not just wanting it, you know, all the goods, but really want to know him. And, and this is how this first verse starts the entire book of Acts. Friends of Theos. And not only is he opening himself up in vision to these individuals, but he's also speaking. He's legoing things to them pertaining to the kingdom of Theos at this point. I think that's remarkable. Forty days of this. So what, what is, why am I saying, what does this mean for us? I know the Lord has been, this, is, this has been a unique time frame. So is this. This time frame never happened up to this point and will never happen again just like it ever again. So these gentlemen, whether they like it or not, he, Jesus made sure that whatever he wanted to reveal about himself and anything pertaining to the kingdom of God, it happened regardless of what was going on during their day. And I would venture to say the same thing for us. He's doing it in the same fashion that he did here. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. But the principle of it is still here. Look at verse 4. Being assembled together. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Assembled together. God wants us to be together. Now, together has taken on a new form, right, over the last three months. I wonder what some people in certain denominations are saying now. What did he really mean, forget not the assembling of yourselves together? Yes, they didn't have a lot of the technology back then. But can we still assemble together if we have to? Absolutely. So the mentality of the way we assemble as we go forward, these things that are happening are only the beginning of things that are to come. Jesus prophesied these types of things were coming. Isaiah spoke about gross darkness coming. I would say that a lot of this is in that realm of gross darkness. So we have to be ready at any given moment where we... And if you look at the, the apostles in the book of Acts, there were times where they were together, right? But then they were dispersed. Um, in some cases, they were dispersed because of nothing they, done, they had done wrong, but dispersion was still there. 
And Jesus spoke of it. He said, you're going to be scattered, right? The sheep are going to be scattered. We just have to know that, that God is giving us a greater measure of clearly discerning exactly what's going on and not get all frustrated by everything around us. We're human, and we can do that. And I'm sure I have, you have. I've wondered, you know, why all this stuff is going on, but I, we just have to trust. So being assembled together, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which says, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the saintly wind not many days hence. Now, I have to stop here just for a minute. And I'm wondering, I mean, it doesn't really say, but these guys are human just like all of us. I wonder what was going on in their minds when Jesus is, is he's, he's revealing himself to them during this time frame for 40 days. They're coming together and all of a sudden he's there. And, and they're with him, and he starts talking about all this mumbo-jumbo, being baptized with the saintly wind. Surely these guys had to think, Lord, I have no idea what you're saying. I believe you, but I'm not really sure what's going on yet. But when these things started to happen, that's when a lot of them really recognized this is that. And we're going to get to that in just a minute in Acts 2. If you'll notice, already he's mentioned the, saint, the importance of the saintly wind starting all of this. Every bit of Acts starts with being baptized with the saintly wind, being empowered by this measure of God's Spirit. And when they were come together, there it is again, it's a different type of phrase, but the, the principle is the coming together, they ask him saying, Lord... Will you at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power or exousia, but you will receive dunamis. After that, the saintly wind has come upon you. So there's the third time saintly wind is mentioned. I keep losing my place here. And you will be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem in all Judea, and in Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the earth. So he's given his apostles the commission, and he's telling them, do not depart from Jerusalem, because this is going to be the beginning point or the launching point of what I'm going to do in affecting the entire world. And I really believe that we are at a launching point no pun intended uh, with the Space Center and all the things going on there, but that does apply here. Where God is beginning to, there's a launching point of what he's going to be doing in the coming days. And I know that, you know, it's just distressing when you have things, you know, pastors mention the different ministry trips and things of that sort. You know, it's from a human perspective, a personal perspective, it's kind of like, man, we really need to be there. But God's got this thing in control. He knows what's going on. He knew that was going to happen before we did. He's not disturbed by it. He's not, going, he's not thinking, well, I, I can't move now. Man, we were supposed to go that day. He, he, he knows what's happening. He knows that enemy forces have mobilized 
to try to stop a lot of things. And people are partnering with sources that they have no idea they're partnering with in the name of da-da-da. I'm not going to say those names, but you, we all know what it is. So my thing is, what is God focused on in this hour? What is his throne focused on? What is his heart focused on in this hour? And that's rhetorical, but think about it. I mean, is he focused on a lot of the things that the media is telling us? Is he focused on a lot of those things? I don't know. It's <laughs> I said I wasn't going to get political, and I'm not. I'm just we're trying to get us to focus. I mean, it's so easy to get wrapped up in all the... It's chaotic in the spirit a lot of times. It's, it's very chaotic. And I have to limit what I watch and what I allow to come through here and in my ears because Jesus talked about everything that uh, we just have to be very careful. So verse 9. After he had spoken these things, while they beheld, the word to beheld there is, is a part of this Greek term, but it's blepo, just meaning they were looking at something. Just, that's all they were doing here. He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. So they're there, and they've, they've been with the Lord for 40 days. He's been speaking to them systematically and specifically about the kingdom of Theos. And at this point, he gives them their directive, and their mission was what? Not depart out of Jerusalem, but wait. Wait on the promise of the Father. That was it. Boom. And he stops telling he, he does the same thing with us. He tells us exactly what we need at the precise time, right? And then it may be, I mean, he, and then they watch him. They literally get to encounter this supernatural occurrence where he ascends from where they were at and into heaven. That must have been an incredible that will never happen again like this ever again. And it's in, that, it's in that context, in verse 10, that these two angels show up. And it says, and while they looked steadfastly. And this look steadfastly is another, is another Greek term, which means to gaze very intently at something and to see it. It's used 14 times. And so they're, they're gazing towards heaven and behold two men stood now stood there is not histeme but it is para histeme which means to stand beside in white apparel and they said ye men of Galilee why histeme ye gazing up into heaven so they present a question but the fact that they're saying they're gazing up into heaven speaks of our ability to do that now. They're, they're on the earth, but they're watching this supernatural thing occur before their very eyes. But then the angels are telling them, hey, why are you doing this? This same Jesus that you've seen do this will come, that's taken up into heaven, is going to come in like manner as you have theomide him going into heaven. I think that's really, really, why is it important? Well, Naysayers, naysayers that will tell you, hey, 
What do you mean gazing into heaven? Well, there it is. Would, would, wouldn't you say that seeing the risen Lord ascend from the earth into heaven is a supernatural occurrence and being able to watch that? Absolutely. Were these men human? Yes. There are people that still don't believe we should be functioning there. They don't believe it at all. Just get on Facebook and get into some of these groups. You'll find out real quickly what people are thinking. And there are a lot of crazy things out there. And I believe we have a responsibility, not for everybody, but I believe we can insert the truth of the Lord in the midst of those type things. I don't think God's going to send us to just everybody where everything's just going to be rosy and peachy and everything's just going to be grandiose, right? What good is that really? It's helpful, but what about the people that have been believing? What about those people that are, that are functioning witchcraft? What about people that are, that are operating and using their gifts in a twisted manner? I mean... That have never really, maybe they've never really heard the truth. Maybe they've ne had never had anybody tell them, hey, here's people in the scripture that use their giftings for God. They're looking into heaven and it may shake them and it may break off chains and they come into alignment and begin to move in the army of the Lord. We're going to need every member of his body moving in the coming days. This, this that we're facing now is nothing compared to what's coming with gross darkness. This is the beginning pains that Jesus prophesied about. I believe many of you have seen this. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen this in dream. You've seen this in vision, wondering, Lord, when is this going to happen? Maybe you haven't thought when, but I, didn't, I never would have thought our country would be in the situation it is now. And, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Okay, so let's get back to, so, so keep in mind as we go through this, there's a, we're going to look at visionary terms that speak of, like this term here for in blepo just means to be able to look at it, see it, discern it very clearly, and then the other one is etanidzo, and it means to, it means it's very similar, and it just means to look at it very intently, so you're seeing it, but Looking at something very intently without the understanding of it or having a clear discernment are two different things. So when we bring both of these together, that's what we're looking at here. Being able to look at what's going on in this earth and looking at what God's doing in the spirit and going, this is what God's really wanting us to do. That's very difficult, would you say? I mean, it is, but God can, God's going to help us. He is helping us. Now, there's a couple of instances where I wanted to look at this etanizo, where it's used. And it's used in Acts 7 with Stephen looking into heaven. And the context here is not very pretty. Verse 54 of Acts 7, when they heard these things, now these things that he just said, he was, he was confronting and releasing words of saying, you're stiff-necked. You're uncircumcised in your heart. You always resist the saintly wind. That's what he just said previously. Man, give that message to Katie. Give that one to Nancy. 
No, but those are the types of things that we release. We, may, we won't say them in that same manner, but we're doing this. But as we approach these gross darkness days, the Daniel characteristics are going to come out in new ways. The Elijah and the Elisha characteristics that, that God exhibited in them are going to manifest in unique ways. And we're going to have to be able to stand courageously no matter what could happen. I don't hope, I, I don't want to die from stones, but whatever God says, that's what we do. So when they heard these things, they were cut to their heart. They gnashed on him with their teeth. But Stephen, being full of the saintly wind, looked up steadfastly. That's this term. That means to gaze very intently at something into heaven. What did he see? Number one, it says, he saw the glory of Theos. Man. Number two, Jesus standing on the right hand of God. He's changed his posture. He is standing. He's not seated. And I, I venture to say he's standing very much in this hour. He's not seated. He's not laying down. He's not sleeping. He's not slumbering. They are not. The Godhead and all, all of heaven, they are actively working during this time frame. And it's up to us to go, Lord, help us to clearly see and discern what, what, you, what you're doing and what you want us to be partnering with you in. And he said, behold, I see. See, there is the thoreo from Theomai. And we should remember those teachings, right? It means being able to recognize. Part of the uh, word is theo, which means God. So being able to recognize a God-given moment, and that's what this was. Some might look at it and go, well, man, this is a hellish moment here. Oh, the enemy started all this, right? <laughs> He's saying this is a God moment. I recognize it. The heavens are opened. And the Son of Man, I see him standing. So he says, I see Jesus standing. And then he says, okay, I see, I see the Son of Man standing. Same, just speaking about the humanity. And it just, it's just, this is just an incredible situation that's going on here. If you were called to be like Stephen, if I were, I hope to God that I can respond the same way. Because there's a time to be silent and there's a time to speak. Knowing when to speak and when to zip it can be a challenge for all of us. I just pray that the Lord will help us to know when to open our mouth. And sometimes whenever we open our mouth, there may come something out of us that we had no idea was in there. Like you're resisting the saintly wind. I just know the days ahead of us, they're full of blessing. Don't get me wrong. They're full of blessing, but they are full of darkness. Gross darkness. God is going to make sure his light shines upon us. Like individuals like this, people are going to witness and they're going to see us and they're going to see us as a fa the face of an angel. Why is that? Why, why that? Because of the glow and the, and, the, and the light of the Lord will really begin to manifest 
physically where people can actually see that upon us. His light will shine upon us. So I don't want you to think, oh man, this is really doom and gloom. Well, yeah, but the blessing of the Lord is going to overtake us. There's there. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> Had a little interference there. You know, we take... <laughs> Trying to, okay, verse 57. Then they cried out with a loud voice, and they stopped their ears, and they ran upon him with one accord. Let's pause for just a minute there. <laughs> See any similarities there in this and what's happening in our day? One accord? This one accord here is... is Something that is not of the Lord. It is a demonic, unanimous coming together of passion, focus, and purpose. They're stopping their ears. They don't want to hear what he's saying, right? And they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet whose name was Saul. No matter what's going on in our country... There are Saul's that are going to be raised up during this time. Do you see the similar? I'm not. It's definitely there. There's definitely a unanimous uniting that the enemy is trying to exert in the earth in a lot of ways. But one thing we know. He's trying to be like the Most High. He's not the Most High. We just got to say, Lord, help us to recognize the subtleties of the enemy and his forces and how he's trying to take over this world, right? That's what we need to know. And that's what God is really, I believe, one of the things he's saying through this is I'm giving you the ability, as you, just like I did them, to gaze into heaven and, and see things for what they really are. What's going on? And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God. This is horrendous. Nobody wants to be stoned to death. But what a way to go out, right? Calling upon Theos. And saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down, he cried with a loud voice, Lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So Stephen is gazing very intently into heaven and, and is allowed to see heaven open, to see the glory of God, to see Jesus standing. And yeah, there's all kinds of teaching that we could go into there. God help us as we move forward as a people and as a network because opposition will always be there it, it will it doesn't mean when I say that it doesn't mean there's seasons where we feel the opposition we see the opposition but there's also seasons where we see more of the blessing and feel more of the blessing of the Lord than we do the opposition even though it's there now Cornelius also encounters this um, Atenizo, but it's a, Cornelius Atenizo is an angel of God in Acts 
And there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band. <laughs> the Italian Band. Pastor's got his, you remember the band noises he always makes when he teaches this? <laughs> it says he's, he's a devout man. He's one that feared Theos with all of his house. Number three, he, he gives much alms to the people. Number four, he prayed or deomide to God always. And he saw in a vision, Harema, something gazed at a supernatural spectacle, evidently about the nine hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him, saying in him, Cornelius. And when he looked, there's that term to gaze very intently at, he was afraid and he said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, your, your prayers, your prosuke, and your alms are come up before God. And, and I know pastors done a lot of teaching and a lot of writing on this. And I'm just going to reiterate some of the things he's, he said. But notice the connection of the angel of Theos, this intently being able to look into this, Cornelius given that ability to see very clearly, and the angel said, the first thing that the angel said was, your, your prosuke has come up before God. That is so important for all of us. And we're going to see in just a second, in this Acts 1 passage, how this comes up again. But our prayers, our prosuke prayers, and our, and it, and our day of my prayers are so important. So important, and it's so easy to just kind of forget about it because we're not really coming together, right? It's so easy to just say, well, I'll get to that later. I'm just being honest with you. It's, it's, it's easy to do that. Nobody's, nobody's in front of you holding you accountable. Nobody's telling you. Well, people are telling you. Pastor's telling you. Different voices are saying it's important. These are the types of things that come up before God. I, don't, I would rather want to be focused on prosuke prayer and it being before God than any other thing on this planet, right? These angels point to that and the importance of prosuke prayers. I, just that connection there is really cool. And I want to just state the importance of that again for all of us. Cornelius is also someone that entered into the deamire, the deasis, and the deasis prayer is what? Well, we bind ourselves to whatever he wants. It's a selfless prayer. It's not focused on anything of us or, or this world. It's everything of what he wants done. And that's that type of prayer that, that we partner with him in. Now, Paul also speaks to this atenezo of a crippled man in Acts 14. And there said a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet and as you can see there I mean that comes from him not being able to function in the dunamis right or dunamai which is really from dunamis he had not ever he was crippled from his mother's womb and he had never walked so he was not functioning the way God had intended him to but at this precise moment that was going to change the same heard Paul speak who steadfastly beholding, so here's that etanizo, and perceiving that he had faith to be sozo, 
I mean, all those things we should recognize are things that have been taught before. He said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet, and he leaped and he walked. Imagine that context. That must have been, that was a great celebration here. This, this person had never walked. They had not been functioning in dunamis. And Paul recognized this at Atenazo, and then he perceived, okay, that it was time for this to happen. I think that's important, too, is our ability to behold something clearly and then perceive it, which really speaks of being able to know this is the timing for this. And then not only that, but he saw something else, too, right? He saw the pistis that was in this person. How did he see that? How did he see the faith? How was it even discernible? I'm thinking, man, I see nothing but death and destruction, right? The guy has never walked. He's been crippled since his mother's, from his mother's womb. But there's something that God had put within the Apostle Paul to know that there was faith to be absolutely sozoed and brought into a point of absolute deliverance and freedom. And that's what God is equipping us with, I believe, during this time frame. Because there is a lot of deliverance and freedom that needs to be brought into many people's lives. Many people's lives. And we will probably catch backlash. You know, somebody may hear what I just said and say, try to find something wrong with that. That's on them. God knows our hearts. God knows exactly what we think moment by moment. And I'm not really interested, nor are you, on what man really thinks about you. I'm more focused on what God thinks about me and how I should be operating in the midst of all of this turmoil and confusion, and we could keep going and going, but that is changing. And God is going to be using us, just like he did, with Paul to recognize, to behold things very intently, discern it clearly, and say, okay, it's time for you to be freed from this thing. It's time for you to walk. I know you haven't been able to do this from your mother's womb, but you need to rise up. And this person left and walked for the first time. I believe he's equipping us for that. Now, there's several other places that you could look at that word, and I encourage you to go back and study it. And I brought that out because, of, obviously, it says when they, in verse 10 in Acts 1, when they looked steadfastly into heaven, that's what the word was. Now, we're going to pick back up in Acts 1, because I think there's a progression that's here. Acts 1, verses 12 through 14. And this is where prosyuke and deasis is mentioned. Now, remember Jesus directed before he, before he uh, was uh, ascended into heaven was what? Depart not from Jerusalem. Verse 12, then return they unto Jerusalem. So it looks like they had left, and now they're going back into Jerusalem. Interesting, isn't it? From which is a, Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up to the courthouse and they abode there with Peter. Oh, wait a minute. I misread that. Sorry. 
And when they were come together, they went up into the upper room where abode Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, Judas. And so what were they doing there in that upper room? They could have been doing a lot of things, right? They could have been playing cards, could have said, oh, we're going to get out some Monopoly and play some board games. or They could have been doing all kinds of things. They could have been fighting with one another, joking or playing or, or whatever. But it says these all continued with one accord. In the midst of this transitional moment, there must be one accord among us. There must be a unanimous passion, purpose, and focus as to what we need to be continually doing. Continually doing. So what is that? Number one, prosuke prayer. This started everything in Acts 1, remember. And the deasis. And it's not just the men because it says with the women. So some of these individuals, I'm not going to go with that. The women are so important in everything that we do. No, no one in this house believes that women can't minister. But I'm going to tell you right now, there are a lot of fundamentalists and a lot of people that believe that they should not be in ministry. You don't have any women pastoring. You don't have all. So the fact that that's out there, I, I, I want to I say that women are very important. And this shows it right here. They're in the midst of prosuke prayer. They're in the midst of deasis prayer. They are prophesying according to the Apostle Paul. And I would much rather believe the Apostle Paul than any other person on this planet who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Well, women, you can thank me later. <laughs> We're all important. We're all important. Why can't we see beyond the things that just clutter up our, our ability to see? God does not see the way we look at things. He doesn't. He really doesn't. Now, you think about things that are being focused on in our time right now and then look at it and go well how does God view all of this really look at it honestly and if people would they would recognize wait a minute the issues that we have God didn't really think that way does he how does God think towards us he didn't want us to fail right he, he, he doesn't want he won't, won't forsake us He's obviously not looking the way Samuel looked, right? <laughs> he doesn't look at outward appearance. He can recognize it, but he doesn't really focus on it. <laughs> it's just mind-boggling to go, if we filter everything that we do and everything that we say through the Scripture, we will be in one accord. When we move away from that, that's when division Strife in every evil work begins to come. And then when every evil work comes, then all these demonic principalities and all the fallen angels can really jump on that demonic bandwagon and make it a hundred times worse and really magnify all of it. Are things being magnified right now during this time frame? Beyond measure. And I'm, I'm saying this generically, 
with a little bit of humor, but it's so sad. It's so tragic. And we're not talking about just people here. We're talking about major corporations and companies. But I will say this. God is going to move. No matter what it looks like in the natural realm, God is getting ready to pour out His breath upon all flesh. I don't know how it's going to... He's going to do it. And that's part of this. I believe that this prayer, this prosuke and deasis was so instrumental in the pouring out of His breath. It was. It preceded the pouring out of His Spirit. And that's the, that's the final point that I want to bring home here. The disciples or the apostles had to choose someone else to fulfill the ministry that Judas was in. So the following verses focus on that. But I want to jump to Acts 2, verse 1. It says, they were all together in one place and in one accord. Same term is coming up again. And without question, unexpectedly, nobody expected this to happen. They didn't know this in advance. All they knew was, he said, don't depart, wait on the promise. They didn't know what the promise was going to look like, didn't know what it was going to feel like. They didn't know wind was coming. <laughs> they didn't know. They didn't realize that it was going to come in such a torrent, in a roar type manner. Very violent manner, you could really say. But that's what started to happen. And boy, when God began to move, people start speaking in other languages, and the people that are around them are understanding it, and it's like, wow. That had never happened up to that point. And then we come in verse 14. One individual came to the forefront, and he says, you know what? He lifted up his voice, and he said unto them all, Ye men of Judea, and all you that are at Jerusalem, be it known this day, listen to my rhema words. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. But it's the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith Theos. This is not saith Peter, not saith John, or nobody else. Saith Theos. I will pour out my pneuma upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men see visions. Old men dream dreams. God is soon going to be pouring out his breath upon all flesh in the midst of all this chaotic drunkenness and all these people that are intoxicated with all this stuff. His spirit is the answer. His spirit is the only solution for everything that's going on across the entire world. He is going to do this. How it happens and exactly when, I have no idea, but I know in my spirit and in my thinking, that he's going to do this. And when he does, there's going to be people saying, you're drunk. You're, they're going to mock what God's doing. They're going to just sneer at it and say, you know, that's not of the Lord. And then we are going to be called to the forefront to explain these God moments. And we will be ready because we've been trained for this. And there's going to be major emphasis on prophecy, visions, 
and dreams. We already know that. But it seems like this time around, there's something bigger that's coming. So that's the first pouring out. There's a second one here. In Acts 2, 18, and on my servants, dolos, and that's from dea, which means to bind yourself to, to, as a slave. So dea is like the part of deasis. So whenever he's saying on servants, he said, my spirit's going to be poured out, and it's going to cause people to be absolutely binding themselves to my, my purpose and what I want to do, and they're not going to be so selfish. That's what that is. I, I love that. And my handmaidens, which is a, a female slave and not in a sense of the slave to the Lord, I will pour out in those days my pneuma, and they're going to prophesy. So notice in the first outpouring, there's a major emphasis on prophecy, visions, and dreams. This second pouring out on servants and handmaidens, there's going to be more of a, um, a focus on them functioning in, in, in the prophetic. He didn't include dreams and visions there on the servants and handmaidens. Interesting. And then he says, I'm going to show wonders in the earth and signs in heaven. And then he says there's going to be blood, fire, vapor of smoke. The sun turned into darkness, the moon into blood before that great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass, here's great blessing in the midst of all that, that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be sozoed, shall come into a point of deliverance and freedom. Those are the days we are in. The sun's not turning into blood, but there's obviously vapor of smoke, there's fire, there's all kinds of things that are happening in this earth. And we need to believe for, the, for, for this to happen. So, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share and just look at the Scripture and what this says. And, Lord, we, we know you've prepared us for such a time as this. And we're believing that you are going to pour out your breath upon all flesh. And, Lord, you're going to minister in ways that we haven't even thought of during this time frame. Help us all to continually be in, in prosuke and deasis prayers as we move forward. We love you, and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.